Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray that this message inspires hope, help, and healing in your life. And as always, welcome home. Um, when my kids were in school and they were learning how to, you know, write certain words, their teacher taught them how to say together or taught them how to spell it. She said, we're going to get her together to get her together. And I was like, that's perfect because you want to know what? Every one of us, we need to go get her. We need, there's a her we need to get. There's a person we need to get. And so I'm excited to have our gathering tonight. And we're just going to um, get right into the word if that's okay. Uh, if you got a pen and a paper, that's awesome. Or your notes, because I'm going to give you some notes tonight. You know, I had a direction that I was going to go and then God changed it on me, which he's so good about doing. The Holy Spirit really is, is not nice to me sometimes because I try to plan for every meeting that I know I'm going to speak at. I try to plan it out like months in advance and it does not work. And I sit down and and I try to write a message and I try to write, but God will give me nuggets. And then all of a sudden, like the day before, he'll be like, okay, here's all your points. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And I guess I should know by now, but he really changed the direction because he gave me a, a verse that we're going to get into in a minute. But I thought about this, you know, recently in this country, in this world, we've seen a lot of things that have been very troubling. Would you agree? I watched what happened in Afghanistan just not too long ago when I was watching women be just completely all the rights that they had for the past 20 years get taken away from them in a day. I watched a woman throwing her baby over a barbed wire fence to a, give to a soldier because she just wanted, uh, she wanted her child to have a chance. I heard these stories of horror. I watched and heard reports of the underground church who said, this is our last time we're going to be able to meet because we're going to die. And I felt burdened for those people, but they were halfway around the world. And then I talked to one of my friends about a week or so later, and I had no idea that she had been going through this situation with her child. For the past 10 months, her child had a very severe issue where he was in danger of dying basically every single day. And he had been in the hospital, and I had no idea, and I reached out to her, and I said, oh my gosh, I didn't even know. I'm so sorry. And I was talking to her, and she started pouring her heart out to me about how difficult it was, and it was on her marriage, on her family, on everything, and how she was like, I feel like I have a newborn again. I'm waking up in panic mode every night. I don't get any sleep. And I began to carry the burden for my friend halfway around the country. And, and then I started hearing about people in our own church and here that were in the hospital who were sick, who were gravely ill. And, and we were believing and interceding for them and believing God for their healing. And I began to carry the burden for people that were halfway around my city. And then a couple of weeks ago, my son came downstairs and shared with me that one of his friend's fathers had unexpectedly passed away, which was very sad. I knew his, the friend's father. He'd been one of the football coaches. We'd known him, and it was, he was a great man. But I heard some sobbing downstairs. And I went downstairs, and I saw my little girl sitting on the couch sobbing her eyes out. And I said, what's going on? What's wrong? And she said, why is everybody dying? Who else is going to die? Is other people going to die? Someone we knew in the hospital, are they going to die? And she was sobbing her eyes out. And I went upstairs and I broke because now I'm carrying the burden in my own home. But as women, how many of you know that we carry a lot of burdens? 
We were created to be nurturing, to be compassionate, to carry burdens. And that sometimes we can carry a lot of weight and a lot of burdens. But the scripture that God gave me for each and every one of you tonight was Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. And I'm going to read it to you in three different versions because they're all equally wonderful. The first one's in the New King James Version. It's one you're probably familiar with. It says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then I read it in the Passion Translation, and it was even more beautiful. It said, are you weary? Are you carrying a heavy burden? Come to me and I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. And then one more time in the Message Bible, it says it like this, are you tired? worn out, burned out on religion, come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. See, there's women in this room tonight who you are carrying the burden of your marriage. You're carrying the burden of trying to deal with situations. There's some of you in this room who are carrying the burdens of your children and some of the things that they're going through. There's some of you who are carrying the burdens of being by yourself. There's some of you who are carrying the burdens of a parent. There's some of you who are carrying burdens, but maybe you're physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually tired. But Jesus said... Come unto me and I will give you rest. And I thought about that word rest, and we might not really have an understanding of what it means to rest. That doesn't just mean to sleep. Because sometimes you can sleep and you can wake up just as tired as you did when you went to bed. But there's some definitions that I like for that word rest. Freedom from everything which wearies you or disturbs you. To lean in confidence to trust, to rely, to repose without anxiety, to be satisfied. Those are all definitions of rest. And that's the kind of rest that Jesus was saying when he said, come unto me and I will give you rest. And I looked at that and God showed me three places for us to rest. And the first place that we need to rest is we need to learn to rest in his presence to rest in his presence. You know, in the book of Exodus in chapter 12, God commanded Moses to move the people to the promised land. They had been walking around in the desert and he said, it is time to go, let's go. He basically actually said, I don't really, I can't stand these people. I don't even like them, but let's go. But Moses would go, he did. If you read it, that's what he said. He said, I'm done with these people. I'm over them. They're, they're pretty much, I'm not even putting up. The only reason he was putting up with them, I think, was because of Moses. 
And he, Moses would go to the tabernacle and he would meet with God face to face. And in verse 12 of Exodus 33, one day Moses said to the Lord, he said, you've been telling me, take these people to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you'll send with me. You told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you, but if it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I can understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember, this nation's your own people. Have you ever felt like that with God? You're like, hey, God, would you mind kind of cluing me in on what's going to happen and when it's going to happen? Because you're telling me something's supposed to go on, but I don't know what it is, and it's a little bit confusing right now, and I understand that I trust you, but I kind of need to know some answers. But God answered him in verse 14, and the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses. Another version says, my presence will go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. See, God's presence brings us to a place of rest. I think about that story in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, and I'll paraphrase it briefly, where Jesus came to a village where Mary and Martha lived and where Martha was running around trying to make sure everything was ready. Martha was cooking and cleaning and preparing and serving and doing all the things. You remember that story? And her sister Mary, though, she was trying to find her and she got a little annoyed because she said, where is my sister? And she looked and Mary was just laying at the feet of Jesus. And Martha, who, you know, she was doing good things. She was preparing things for Jesus. She was like, she got kind of mad. She said, Jesus, why don't you tell my sister that she needs to help me? Have you ever felt like that? You're busy doing all the things and you're like, hey, I need some help. But you know what? Jesus answered her and he said, Martha, why are you so upset and troubled and pulled away by so many distractions? See, sometimes the good things aren't the God things. He said, Mary's discovered the one thing most important by choosing just to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege away from her. See, sometimes in order of us to successfully be Martha, because we have to be both Mary and Martha in our lives. It's not, you know, if you honestly, if you just like lay on the floor all day and you're a mother and you're a wife, it's not going to work out too well for you. I mean, you could try it. You could be like, I'm being Mary right now. Leave me alone, kids. I can't cook you dinner. I'm being Mary. Jesus said this was the best thing. But I will tell you this. If you spend the beginning of your day as Mary, then you'll be able to handle Martha successfully. Because we can get so busy with everyday details of our life that we can forget to do the best thing, and that's spending time with Jesus. And I want to just give you five steps to practice rest in God's presence practical, easy to do. One, how about determine a time limit? Well, why do you want to determine a time limit? Well, if you, if you don't know how long you're going to do something, you probably aren't really going to do it. Start small if you need to. I'm going to take two minutes right now and spend time with Jesus. For some of you, you need to spend 30 minutes. When I started running, which I don't do anymore and I'm supposed to, Carrie, I hope you're not watching right now. Um, but when I started running, I could only run to a mailbox and then I had to walk. And then I started being able to run a little bit further. And then I started being able to run a little bit further. And then I started, I could run like a 5K. Not anymore, but I used to be able to. But why? Sometimes if you haven't been spending that time and you don't know how to, you haven't been doing that, don't be unrealistic and say, I'm going to spend an hour in prayer because you're probably not going to. Start off with something reasonable that you know you can achieve. Better to overshoot your goal than to undershoot it. 
So determine a time limit. How much time are you going to take to spend with Jesus? Set a timer on your phone. I'm going to take 10 minutes right now and set that timer. Uh, Then second, begin by magnifying who God is. Find scriptures that talk about his goodness. Find scriptures that talk about how great he is. Find a scripture that does that. Begin to sing songs of worship. Man, this worship was so beautiful tonight. It brought tears to my eyes because you want to know what brought tears to my eyes? I could hear all of you singing. I could hear your worship. Sing a song of worship to him. You say, well, I can't sing. Well, you want to know what? Maybe you can't hear. Pastor Chris always says that, that he always tells us that we just can't hear. He can actually sing and we can't hear. We all know that is not true. But you want to know what? Jesus said, make a joyful noise. He didn't say it had to be pretty. And what you don't think is pretty is probably beautiful to him as long as it comes from your heart. So magnify who he is. Third step is lay aside your burdens. Think of all of the things that are weighing you down. What are those things that are weighing you down? What are those things that are holding you back? What are those things that you're concerned about? And physically visualize laying them at the feet of Jesus. I'm big on that. Sometimes you have to physically take something in your hand and say, God, I'm giving you this worry. God, I'm giving you my children. God, I'm giving you my marriage right now. And lay aside all of the burdens that you will carry. Here's the fourth one. And I thought this one was kind of cool and interesting. When you ha- how many of you know when you get to get, start to get in the presence of God, I start thinking of everything but praying sometimes. I start praying and I'm praying in the Holy Ghost and then I think, oh gosh, I need to like, I've got to go to the grocery store. What do I need to make, right? Do you, do, can, can somebody else raise their hand and say they do that too? Thank you. Okay. Um, but you want to know what? Instead of just when you have a distracting thought, keep a pad and pencil with you and write that thought down and get rid of it and say, I'll think about that later. Isn't that practical? Oh, you've got to go pick up your kids. I got to pick up my kids later. Now, God, I thank you. You're so worthy. God, I'm laying my cares down. Oh, what am I going to make? Oh, I got to make dinner later. Write down the distracting things and just write them down and choose that you're going to deal with those things at a different time. You're not going to allow yourself to deal with them. And then the fifth step is meditate on the word. Joshua said, I will meditate day in, there and night that I will observe to do. You got to meditate on the word. Find a passage that addresses what you are experiencing. You said, well, I don't know any passages, but do you know how to Google? Because Google is your best friend. You do not have to be a Bible scholar anymore. All you have to do is Google worry and you'll find scriptures about worry. And all of a sudden you'll find 50 scriptures about worry. And you could say, oh, here's a great one. This one says, oh, I don't have to worry. He can't, oh, and you begin to meditate on that. How do you meditate? Very easily. You read it. Pause. Think about it. Read it again. And go back to it throughout your day. Even when your time with God's over, say, hey, this is a scripture. I'm going to meditate it. That's how we find a place of rest in his presence. And the second place we have to find a place of rest for is we have to rest in his promise. Rest in his promise. You know, Solomon in the Bible had a very daunting task. David wanted to build a temple for the Lord. And that was his greatest desire. And God said, no, David, you're not going to build a temple. Your son's going to build it. You're a man of war, and I don't want you to do this. I want your son to build the temple. So Solomon built this temple, and he built this beautiful, amazing temple. But when he went to dedicate the temple to the Lord, and they brought the Ark of the Covenant there, they had all the people gathered, and he said these words in 1 Kings chapter 8. He said, praise the Lord who has given rest to his people. Israel, just as he promised. 
Not one word has failed all of the wonderful promises he gave through his servant Moses. And I'm here to tell you tonight that not one single wonderful promise that he's given you is failing. You may not see it right now, but it will not fail. His word does not return void. He keeps his promise. Every promise is yes and amen. Uh, There is a book by a man named Herbert Locklear called All the Promises of the Bible. And he compiled every single promise found in the Word of God. And he found 7,147 promises from God to man in the Bible. That is a lot of promises. I would be willing to bet you that you can find a promise for every situation that you may be walking through. You'll be able to find a promise for anything you're experiencing in the Word of God. See, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by His divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him who has called us by name and invited us to come to Him through a glorious manifestation of His goodness. And in verse 4 it says this, As a result of this, He has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price. So that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience partnership with the divine nature. God has given you magnificent promises, and in those promises is the power for them to come to pass. Not one of his promises are empty. They are all yes and amen. There's not a promise that you can look at and go, well, I guess that promise is not for me. It's probably just for Oma. Oh, it's probably just for Miss Kathy because she prays more than me. No, every promise you find in the word, you can take hold of for yourself. There's, there's one in 2 John, or 3 John, I think, that says that I, I believe I will see my children walk in truth. Some of you are wanting to see that for your children. You know, that my mom blew that one up and put that on her wall, that she believes that her children will walk in truth. I think it's like 3 John 1, 4, I think. Don't quote me on that. I can't remember the exact reference. But you want to know what? There's a promise for your children. I believe I will see my children walk in truth. My God will never leave me or never forsake me. God is my husband. Some of you feel lonely. You want to know what? He's your husband. He promised you he would be your husband. He would be your defense. Some of you say, I need my daddy. He said, I will be a father to the fatherless. I'm just going to give you six quick promises of God. You can write them down if you want to, if you need some to get started. The first one is found in Joshua 21, verse 45. And it says that God's promises never fail. God's promises never fail. It says not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed and every single one was fulfilled. See, sometimes when you're walking through situations and you're experiencing things and you're seeing things, you might, it might look like some promises haven't come to pass, but just because they haven't come to pass yet doesn't mean that they have failed. God's promises never fail. Here's a second promise. God is always good. When other people are not good, God is always good. You can write the reference, Psalm 119, verse 68, says, you are good and you do good. Teach me your statues. See, people are not good sometimes to you, but that doesn't mean that God's not still good. Maybe your parents weren't good. That doesn't mean that God's not still good. Maybe your friends have not been good to you. That doesn't mean that God's not good. God is good. That's a promise that you can rest on and say, no, when other people are treating you poorly, guess what? But God is good to me. God is always good to me. Here's a third one. God is faithful. 
Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful to fulfill every single promise he has given to you. If you look at that in the Bible, Abraham was given a promise that he was going to have a son when he was like 100 years old and his wife was beyond the age of having children. But guess what? God's promises never fail. He is faithful. And they considered him faithful who promised. How do you know that this promise is going to come to pass in my life? Because my God is faithful. And I consider him faithful who promised. Here's another one. God loves me deeply no matter what. Some of you just need to hear that tonight. There's someone in this room tonight that just needs to know no matter what you have done, no matter what you are doing, no matter what you're in the middle of, no matter where you have been, God loves you desperately and deeply. Because in Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor any powers nor height nor depth nor any other creature can separate me from the love of God. There's nothing that you've done. The enemy comes in and tries to lie to you and tell you, hey, you want to know what? You can't come back from that. Yes, you can. You can come back from being in a, a, a pig slop. And he'll still be standing there saying, what took you so long? I'm so grateful that you came back home. We had a guy once that sat down and he said, you know, I got to tell you something. I killed someone once. We're like, well, it wasn't last week, was it? Because like, we got to call the police then. And we're like, okay, did you repent? God loves you. God's love for you is so deep. He loves you even when you don't like him. Because I know some of you in this room have had some seasons where maybe you didn't like God too much. Why? Because God, why did this happen? Why did you allow this to happen? And guess what? God is such a big God and such a great God. He's like, it's okay. You can be mad at me because I'd rather you be mad at me because I can handle, I can handle your anger. I can handle you right now, but I love you no matter what. He loves you deeply, madly, desperately. Here's one more for you. God will strengthen and help me. Maybe you're going through a situation where you feel weak or where you feel like, oh, God will strengthen and help me. Isaiah 41.10 says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God will strengthen you and help you no matter what you're facing. Sometimes, though, I know for me, I always feel like I have to figure things out. Because I, I work really quick. If you give me a problem, I'm going to instantly try to think of all the things and ways to figure out. And there's been many times when I exhausted myself trying to figure it out. But I don't have to figure it out. I need to go to him first because he will strengthen me. He will help me. He's my helper. And you can stand on that promise. Here's one last one because this one I felt was important. There was a whole bunch of them. I just picked six. God can be trusted. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. See, some of you have experienced some things in life that made it where you don't really want to trust anybody. Someone did you wrong. People did you dirty. Situations didn't work out. And you feel like you can't trust again. But you want to know what? You can always trust him. Don't blame him for what someone else did to you. 
You can always trust him. He can always be trusted. The next time you're like, man, that's, I can't believe, you want to know what, but at least I can trust you, Jesus. What if you begin to rest in his promises? There's, again, over 7,000 promises in the word of God. So find those promises and begin to make a habit in a practice of resting on those promises, meditating on those promises, sitting on those promises, and, okay, God, you'll give me wisdom. The Holy Spirit is the divine revealer of truth. You'll show me what to do in this situation. It can be hard sometimes as a mom. You know, I love my mom. And I honor my mom because it's because of my mom that I'm standing here today. Because there was a season when I walked away from God. And I decided I didn't need Jesus in my life. You all people needed him because I knew he was good. But because people hurt me, I didn't want anything to do with God. I'm just being honest. And for seven years, every day, my mom would get up in the morning, get on her face, and speak the promises of God over my life. And hold fast to the promises of God in my life. And one day I was driving my car, and I, I just really decided that I missed my relationship with God. It wasn't like I went to church and did an altar call. I was driving on a road. It was on Thanksgiving night. There was nobody else on the road. I was going to my house from my parents' house. I had left Lauren there because I had to work really early the next morning, and I was, there was no other car on the road. And I remember the stretch of road I was on when it hit me like a lightning bolt, and I said, God, I just miss you. I miss your presence in my life. And then I began, I I mean, I messed up plenty of times since then. But you want to know what? My mama prayed for me every single day. About about five or six years later, she said, you know what? I kind of now just lump everyone together in one little prayer because I've got tired. But I said, well, thank God she didn't get tired before she got me fixed. Amen. But you want to know what? Those promises of God, she did not waver. And she knew that she had a promise from God that I was going to serve God. I love it. Mama Porter, I'm going to tell on you. She's watching. I love my, our, our household of faith church in, in Raleigh. All of you ladies, we love you so much. You know what she would pray over her sons? Some of you know her, one of her sons. She would pray that you will serve God every single day of your life and the enemy will have no place for you. And there were seasons when it didn't look like her. One of her, some of her children were serving God. But you know what? She would declare that promise over them that you will serve God every day of your life. And her son is an ordained pastor, a worship leader, a, a very anointed guy that is amazing and awesome. And you know what? She stood on the promises of God for him. Some of you are standing on promises. Don't quit just because it seems like it's hard or like it seems like it's not coming to pass. Rest in the promise of God. Don't strive for the promise of God. Say, I'm resting in the promises. I'm resting in his promises because his promises will not return void in my life. And the third place we can rest is we can rest in his peace. Rest in his presence, rest in his promises, rest in his peace. I have a particular affinity these days for the Passion Translation of the Bible because I think it reads so beautifully. And if you haven't read the Passion Translation, I highly encourage you to either get one or go on Bible Gateway online and read the verses that you've known your whole life. Read them in the Passion Translation. They're beautiful. Psalm 23 in the Passion Translation says, Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I have always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me and his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of bliss. 
That's where he restores and revives my life. He gives us this promise that we can rest in his peace. Now, when I read that, an oasis of peace, to me, it reminds me of like a beautiful beach where the waves are just gently coming in and out. And you're just laying there and it's that little moment between before the sun goes down when the sky is like purple and pink and beautiful blue and you can't hear anything but the waves. That's what reminds me of an oasis of peace where you can sit there and just everything else fades away. And it's calm and it's peaceful and it's awesome. And you can really truly find a place of rest there. He says, I'll take you to an oasis of peace that has a quiet brook of bliss. But in that place, that's where he restores and revives your life. See, sometimes we get so busy and we get caught up in so much and we're doing so many things that we have to take time to restore our souls. We focus a lot in church on our spirit man and becoming strong in our spirit. But did you know that your soul needs to be revived too? You are a spirit, soul, and body for a reason. And you want to know what? Yeah, you need your spirit to override your soul, but sometimes you need some restoration in your soul. You experience things and you go through situations that where you're, maybe your soul is just tired, but it says he restores and he revives your soul in that place. I love Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, that says, Perfect and absolute peace surround those whose imaginations are consumed with you. They confidently trust in you. In his peace, you can confidently trust him. You can come to a place. But why? When does the peace surround you? When your mind is consumed with him. See, I just had the opera. I was so grateful that Pastor Chris and I just finally, we had, a, we had this vacation plan. Like, like we hadn't been on a vacation by ourselves in like three years. And we were planning to go on vacation last year. And we had to cancel it five times. And five different times it got canceled. And we just got to go last week. And I, that's why I like my little oasis of peace because that's what I got to do. We would go around 3 o'clock every day. We would go sit underneath this little thing and just sit there on the beach. And I did nothing. I was like, I had all these plans. I'm going to write stuff. I'm going to do stuff. I did nothing but just sit there and watch the ocean for five days from like 3 to 7 o'clock every day. And you want to know what? It revived my soul and it refreshed my soul. And I was so grateful for God. And in the midst of that, I was like, oh, my God, I love you so much. It, he, could, he cannot help but consume your thoughts. Now, you don't have to go to a beach on vacation to do that. You can go sit in your backyard. Sit outside and just listen to the quiet for a minute. Oh, I don't have time to do that. You have five minutes. Can you want to know how I know you have five minutes? Because I see all of you all on Facebook commenting. So you have five minutes or Instagram or one of those places. You have five minutes. Go sit outside and just stop for a minute and say, I'm just going to put my imagination on God. I'm going to do this. this is, and he'll take you to that place of peace. It says in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord himself, the Lord of peace, pour into you his peace in every circumstance and in every possible way. The Lord's tangible presence be with you all. So how do we rest in his peace? Well, I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'll give you some direction to tell you. But it's all found in the Word of God. And it's all found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And I have preached on this many, many times. But you want to know what? You can preach on the same verse a lot of times because it's true every single time you preach it. So in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7 in the Passion Translation, it says, Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. 
Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. And we all know the next part of that verse that says, then the peace of God that passes all understanding will fill your heart and your mind, right? In this translation, it says that we'll make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. But people like that part of the scripture. Oh, the peace of God that passes all understanding will dwell in my heart and mind. But there's a very important word before that part of the scripture that says then. And that tells you that there's some things that we have to do in order for that to be experienced. In order for me to drive my car, I have to go out to my car. I have to click the lock button. I have to get in. I have to push the button. I have to put it in reverse. I have to back out and I can begin to drive. I cannot just sit in my car and go, yes, we're going to go here. Why, why am I not at home? Why? Because I didn't do the steps that took it to get there, right? But sometimes with God, do we not just expect, well, God, why didn't you do this? He's like, well, why didn't you read the first part of the verse? But it gives us the steps to find the peace of God that passes all understanding. Do you know it's possible? I, I preached that on Mother's Day to talk about how no matter what you're walking through, that peace is not the absence of trouble. It's the awareness of God in the middle of trouble. You can find peace in the most chaotic situation, in the chaos and the turmoil. You can have peace that doesn't make sense to anybody else. Have you ever walked through a situation where you're like, I don't really know why, but this isn't troubling me. And people are looking at you going, well, why aren't you upset about that? That's the peace that passes all understanding. But here's the steps to get there. Here's the first one. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. When you recognize worry starting to creep into your life, just remind yourselves again of the goodness of God and the promises of God. Oh, because the thing is this, the enemy does not want you to find peace. He does not want you to find rest. He does not want you to find joy. He is going about like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour, and he will devour you any and every way he possibly can. He will use anyone and everyone he possibly can to try to derail you, to try to destroy you, to try to get you from a place of peace. Why? Because when you can find that place of peace in God's presence, you have a place of power that you did not have before. And so he'll come in and try to distract you and he'll come in and try to hurt you and he'll come in and try to derail you and he'll come in and try to make you worry. That's why it says don't be pulled in different directions or worry about a thing. That's step one because when you recognize that, so remind yourself. Then it says be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God. It doesn't say just throw up a quick little prayer. It says be saturated in prayer throughout your whole day. When you're in a situation where maybe you need peace, are you praying throughout the day? You can pray and talk to God every single moment of every single day. You can, the great news is he can read your mind. So in your mind, you can be at work and you're sitting there and in your mind, you're thinking, God, I thank you right now for peace. I thank you that my coworker who is wearing me out right now, I thank you that you give me grace for her. I thank you for my boss. I thank you for my husband. You can be saturated in prayer throughout the entire day. How, you, once you recognize when something, I, I always think it's interesting, like somebody who's maybe had an illness or something before, when you have like something that flares up, I don't know if any of you have had that before, but you recognize the signs of when it's getting ready to start. How many of you recognize when anxiety and when worry and when fret is starting to come on you? I've told you all, I, said, I told that, I can't remember, I, I was at a church yesterday and I told this, or I've told you guys a million times, but some of you never heard it. That the thing is this, when you are, when, when you cannot be ignorant of the enemy's devices. You all know, Pastor Chris, how he tries to scare me, 
how he thinks it's funny. The other day, he made this whole video. Lauren and I were out in the lobby, and he made this whole video. He's like, there's going to be some, some scaring going on right now. And he goes, and he jumps out at us, and he was like, ah, and we just stood there and looked at him. I had the dog here, so I'm holding Cooper, and I'm like, what do you want? He's like, man, and he said, and I looked at the video. I said, you need to post it. That's funny. He goes, it's not funny. I said, it's really funny. It's us more funny than if you would have scared us. But, you know, like when we moved into our house, I, we had it upstairs. And when I would walk upstairs, he would jump out from the corner and he would try to scare me. This was like 16, 15 years ago. And he would try to scare me. And the first time, he scared me really good. I dropped everything I had. I screamed. I didn't expect him to be there. And he tried it again a few weeks later. And guess what? He scared me again. But he has never scared me another day walking up that stairs because there's always something in the back of my mind. If I don't see him around, I wonder if he's getting ready to jump out at me. Do you know that you have to understand the enemy's ways? Oh, that's fear trying to come on me. You know what? I recognize that fear. You're not going to scare me. No, you're not going to make me worry. I already know what to do. I, I, I'm not going to worry about anything. I've chosen not to worry. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to be saturated in prayer. Now, God, I thank you for peace. I thank you. And you begin to not, don't be ignorant of his devices. Use his devices against him and say, oh, yeah, you think you're going to scare me, but now you're going to make me pray more. And then it says, with overflowing gratitude, tell him every detail of your life. Don't be afraid to share everything you're feeling with your heavenly father. You say, well, why do I need to tell him every detail of my life? Doesn't he already know every detail of my life? Well, sure he does. But he likes to hear it from you and from your perspective. You know why? Because when you tell him something, he knows what's going on and he knows how you feel. But when you say it, it just carries a, I can know maybe my friend Karen is going through something and I know she's going through something, but guess what? When she tells me about it, I'm like, oh, I can help you now. Because when you tell him about your life, you give him access to move into your life. There's a lot of people that I know and there's a lot of people that we pastor, but there's not a lot of people who actually give me a place of access into their life to help them. And I don't insert myself into anyone's position. The people that come to me and they want me to talk, you know, they have to, and there's people that now I insert, well, that's not true. There are a few people I insert myself into their life, but that's because it's been years of them giving me access. But did you know with God, it's the same way. He's not going to insert himself into your situation. He's going to wait for you to tell him, and then he can give you direction. So tell him every detail. He can handle your anger. He can handle your frustration. He can handle your everything. He can handle your tears. I love that verse, and I didn't put it in here, but that says that your, that your tears are liquid words, and God has read every single one of them. Your tears are liquid prayers to him, that every tear, that, that's why you can go and cry. You know why? Because he's like, okay, I, it's okay. I got you now. And honestly, sometimes you need a good cry. Christy will tell you that, right, Christy? You know, like, you, no, I'm saying, like, uh, Christy, Christy understands, like, psychology, and she does, you understand, sometimes you just got to let it all out and let it go in order to re move on, right? That's probably not right, but you can nod your head like it is. But <laughs> just nod for me. Good. No, but I'm saying sometimes crying isn't a bad thing. Sometimes crying is good. It cleanses you and it heals you out. And you want to know what? Now that I know that every single tear I cry is a liquid prayer to God, I don't mind my tears because he doesn't mind them. He can handle every detail. Keep your heart, though, in the midst of that filled with gratitude. Sometimes it's hard to find a place of gratitude when you're in the middle of a mess. It's hard to be grateful for something you're experiencing when you're experiencing it. 
But keep your heart filled with gratitude and remember that you can find something to be grateful for in every single situation. But I'm going through something with my husband right now. But you want to know what? You have a husband and you wanted that husband at one time. In fact, you prayed for him. I was at this luncheon yesterday and they were like, what do you do when your husband does things like leave his socks on the ground? And there was three of us sitting up there, and the first lady said, well, you take them and you tie them in a knot, and you just leave them there. And the second pastor said, and you put them away as a good wife. And I said, and then you thank God because you wanted that man. Every single one of you wanted him, even when he wears you out now. Miss Normandy, you've been married longer than us all. You want to know what, Miss Normandy? You even have to remind yourself sometimes, because except Mr. Gerald, I know, is a saint, right? Always. But you want to know what? Find something. My children are frustrating me right now, but I'm so grateful that I have children to frustrate me. I have so much work to do, but I have a job that helps me provide for my family. I'm so stressed out and I'm so overwhelmed, but at least I have the Holy Spirit who can help me. Just try to throw a spin of gratitude. You say, what do you want me to be like, Pollyanna? Yes, yes, I do. We had a lady that worked at the school, and she's probably the closest person, Miss Lori, the, to, to anybody. She, no matter what she was going through, she was always, ha- I never heard her say a bad thing about anybody. I don't know if you guys are. She, she would be like, we had a situation one time where one of the parents was so mean to her that another teacher came up front and was like, oh my gosh, they were horrible to her. And I, we went running back there to see if she was okay. And she goes, oh, I didn't even notice. I thought he was just having a bad day. You want to know what? That doesn't mean you don't go through hurt, but it changes your perspective on the pain that you're going through when you can find a place of gratitude. And it says, then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So we're going to rest in his presence, rest in his promises, rest in his peace. And, but I'm not going to just leave you hanging and just tell you to rest. I'm actually going to tell you how to enter into a place of rest, okay? Um, the first thing you have to do is believe. It's very simple. The building block of our faith is to believe. We know that faith is what we believe. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, Now the promise of entering into God's rest is still for us today. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply than they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. Did you know that faith activates a place of rest? I didn't until I read that scripture in that version. There's a play, he said other people didn't believe. They didn't activate their faith, so they did not enter into a place of rest. He said if you do believe, then faith will activate the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. Those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into that realm of rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Yet the fact remains that we still have the opportunity to enter into the faith rest life and experience the fulfillment of the promise for God still has ordained a day for us to enter into called today. And all it takes to enter into that place of rest is just to believe that you can. I believe I can rest. Oh, no, you're too tormented. No, I can rest. The Bible says I can have sweet sleep. 
you look at that, and it says this. Uh, so when we choose to, re- to believe that rest is available to us, we access faith. We know, and I'm not going to do a faith seminar. We've already had plenty of those, and Pastor Chris teaches it better than probably anybody I've almost ever met, so there's no point in me trying to do it. But we know this, right, that faith is what pleases God. Faith is what accesses the promises of God. We've already seen, have I convinced you yet that there's a promise in the word of God that you can find rest and all you have to do is believe that that promise is for you. The second thing that you have to do is you have to receive. Jeremiah chapter 6, 16 says, this is what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it, travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. See, everybody wants to find, the, uh, do it differently. I don't like, you want to know what? The old traveled, trusted way is the same way that they did it 2,000 years ago is the same way we access it today. You can't do anything different. Everybody's always trying to find different new ways to do things. There is no different. There's nothing new under the sun. The old trusted travel path is the same way. And he said this, that, He said, ask for the old godly way and walk in it and you'll find. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. For some of you, you don't want to rest in his presence because that takes sitting down and calming your mind and stopping being upset. And when I'm upset, I don't necessarily. I was talking to Lauren about something the other day and I had just actually got done preaching about putting off your complaint and not complaining to anybody. (laughs) And she was like, well, like you just said this morning, um... And I was like, I wasn't talking about this. This is totally a different situation. (laughs) But you want to know what? You can't do it differently and expect to get the right results. There's only really one way, and that's God's way. When, when we were away on our vacation, they had this one path. I don't know. They called it the kissing alley. I don't know why, but it literally, I think it was like this wide. And you could like only walk single file to go through these two buildings. But I was like, oh, there's the narrow path, you know. It says that narrow is the way. Wide is the path to destruction. Everybody wants to find a different way to do it. We live in this instant society. Miss Sherry, I know she's watching. She said something to me today that I'm going to steal. Well, I'm not going to steal it. I'm going to give her credit. She said, God showed me he is not an Amazon Prime God. We have, I love Amazon. I order Amazon like some days my husband is like, what the heck are you ordering? I'm like, oh, I bought a t-shirt. Oh, I got some tape. I don't know. I just needed something. I love Amazon. Why do I love Amazon? Because I have Amazon Prime and I can order something today. And sometimes it's there by the time I get home. It's amazing. I love Amazon. I don't even barely shop. Luke was like, I've got to go homecoming shopping. I'm like, I'll buy something for you on Amazon. It'll be awesome. He's like, no, but you want to know what, like you look at it, Amazon's awesome, but this Amazon society we live in is even more used to it was a microwave society. You put stuff in the microwave, but how many of you know, even if it gets hot, it may be some, there's some things you can't cook in the microwave. You got to go ahead and let the water boil on the stove, which takes a lot longer. But God is not an Amazon prime type of God. Sometimes, sometimes he's an Amazon prime God. But most of the time, there's a way that we got to take a little bit longer, but we don't like to wait. So we go, what can we do to make it quicker? I always tell you, like, I'm always like, I know, Carrie, please, if you're watching, I'm really trying, I promise. But like, I'm trying to like, I I just wish I could take a pill or something and like I could instantly lose 20 pounds. Wouldn't that be amazing? I'm like, I want to have really great arms, but I really don't want to do push-ups every day. I just cannot make, I'm trying to do the push-ups. 
Carrie's going to text me after this and be like, what do you do? Because I told her, keep me accountable. Why do you ask people to keep you accountable? Like, why did I do that? Did you ever do that? You ask someone to keep you accountable for something? You're like, why did I ask them to do that? But you want to know, I'm going to, I promise I'm going to go home and do 50 push-ups. But I want to have really great arms. But you want to know what? I try to do push-ups and I cannot stand it. Did you know it might take me, we are, are you guys like that too? Come on. We don't want to do the work. Okay, maybe it's not. Maybe some of you are like, I love doing push-ups. Well, there's other things that you don't like to do, right? There's, there's things that you don't want to do because it takes time. But there is no new way, faster way, quicker way, other way. There's only one way, and that's his way. So we have to, you can't say that's not the road we want. Well, you can, but you're not going to receive the place of rest. You have to receive it and say, okay, you know what? I receive it. I'm going to do that. And you have to do his way. The third thing, and you can go ahead and play low if you want. The third thing, and this one's kind of important, and this is where we're going to end tonight. The third thing to enter into a place of rest is you have to release. That scripture in Matthew said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And Angela, you can turn those lights down a little bit, because I want to take just a minute and land here tonight. Because there's some of you in this room who need to release some things. Because you can't enter into a true place of rest until you release. Some of you, you need to release mindsets. Some of you need to release people. There's a person that you need to release because you cannot enter into a place of rest as long as you hold on. Some of you need to release unforgiveness. Some of you need to release bitterness. Some of you need to release anxiety. Some of you need to release. I don't know what you need to release. But I do know that 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there for he tenderly cares for you. Come to him. He's calling you saying, come to me. Pour out all your worries to me. Pour out all your stress to me. Pour out all your anxiety to me. Pour out all your pain to me. Pour out all your hurt to me. And some of you are sitting there and I can hear your thoughts right now. And you're like, I'm not pouring out anything because I've trusted so many times and I'm not going to trust you. I can't. It hurts too bad when it doesn't work. But you want to know what? He is the one person who will never leave you or forsake you. He is the one person who will not let you go. He is the one person who you can pour out your heart to. Leave your worries. Leave your stress at his feet. And commit to only carrying his yoke. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How do you know if you're carrying his burden? Well, is it heavy? Is it hard? I'm not saying it's not going to be difficult sometimes. But what I'm saying is, you know, when a burden is heavy, maybe you're not supposed to be carrying it. Maybe you're supposed to be releasing it. Because when it's his burden, he gives you the grace to carry it. When it's his burden and his yoke, he gives you the grace. That somehow it's easy. And maybe you're in this place tonight, and if everyone would just close your eyes and bow your heads. 
Because maybe I don't know everybody in this room tonight. And maybe you're in this room and maybe you say, I am carrying a lot and I want to let go of it, but I don't even know if I know Jesus. You say, but this is a women's church, man. I don't know everybody here. Maybe you're in this place and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you say, I've made him the Lord of my life before, but I kind of gotten away from him being Lord of my life. I said the prayer, but I don't live it out every day. I have news for you. He is waiting for you with arms wide open to come home. And if that's you tonight and you say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life with every eye closed, nobody is looking around, nobody wants to embarrass you, would you just lift your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to make him the Lord of my life. Maybe you're watching online right now and you say, I want to make him the Lord of my life. And I just want everyone to repeat after me. Just say, dear Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I ask you right now, to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins. And from this day forward, be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And keep your eyes closed. And if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, you can see one of our team afterwards and we'll help you. But maybe you're in this room tonight and I'm gonna ask our team to come up. Just, they're going to line up across the front and maybe we're going to, I think Lauren and uh, maybe Nia, they're going to sing and just worship for a minute. But maybe, just maybe you're, you haven't been able to rest. Maybe you're carrying burdens that are greater than you. The Bible says carry one another's burdens. And I have some powerful ladies up here, powerful women of God waiting to pray with you. So while we worship, if you don't need prayer, that's okay. You can just worship for a minute. But if you need someone to agree with you, maybe you need someone to agree with you for a child. Maybe you need someone to agree with you. I want you just to come up to one of our team up here. I'll be here too. And we're just going to take a minute and just, maybe you're in your seat and you just, I want you just to cry out to God. I want you to release that to him, release every burden, release every yoke. And if that's you today, you are welcome just to come up. No one's going to embarrass you and we'll pray with you right now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, we invite you to visit us today at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. And as always, welcome home.